What's the Script Tech Podcast, where we feature engineering leaders in a series of one-on-one interviews, panel discussions and live talks, where we'll be discussing what's new, what's hot and what's not. Tune in every week to find out what's the latest and what's the script. Hello, hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of the What's the Script Podcast. Uh, where we will be discussing what's the latest in the top uh, Stockholm tech scene. Our aim is for listeners to hear the inside track on new ideas, tech trends, engineering team challenges, and what's really going on in the Stockholm tech industry. Today, in the Director's Lounge, we have Peter Frey, CTO of Hemnet. Peter has an exceptional background managing and scaling huge engineering teams at companies like Genius Sports and Betsu. Um, and currently at Hemnet himself now. The topic we will be discussing today is scaling teams. So welcome, Peter. And firstly, how are you? Well, thank you. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, seeing the background of Cantona, um, I'm not sure about that being a Liverpool <laughs> fan. Otherwise, um, it's been a yeah, tough well, season, as you know. Well, yeah, we, we had, to, uh, had to do something with you being the first Liverpool fan, I think, on any podcast I've done. Um, that's not, that's not as though I've been selecting anything like that, but it no. is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, I'm very fine, thank you. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, well, um, hopefully, you know, it's better next season for you guys. I know you nearly won the lot last year, but it seems like you have one year, on, one, one year off, actually. Yeah. All right, cool. So, um, so what we could do today, um, obviously, talk, let's get, before we're getting into the podcast questions, if you could give us an insight into your background, um, your journey up to now, and also your interests outside of work. Oh, yeah. I uh, would love to do that. Uh, do you have a couple of hours? I could <laughs> take you through it. No, just to be brief. No, I started out as a uh, developer back in the days, um, and then I transformed into leadership uh, by accident because, well, the current company needed an acting CTO. And I said, well, how hard can it be? Um, I can still develop. And uh, on that way, things progressed and I learned more things. And the more I learned, the more I learned that I, uh, there's more to learn of it. And I, I really enjoy working with awesome people, um, building organizations, product development and all of that. So I've been doing that for um, 15 years or so. And different industries, media industry, uh, Aftonbladet and Expressen, uh, Bonnier, Shibstedt, and then I transformed into iGaming with Betson Group and Sports Tech, Junior Sports, and uh, now I am very happy at uh, Hemnet since uh, last year. And well, outside of work, I love my work. I don't consider it being work. It's more like my passion. Um, but I also, I mean, of course, friends and family. Uh, sports is very close to my heart, both uh, well, exercising myself. Uh, and looking at it. And besides okay. Liverpool, Minnesota Vikings would be my second team. And I'll have a Swedish team too, but let's not annoy anymore. <laughs> nice. Okay, fantastic. And as I said, welcome onto the podcast. Delighted to have you as a first guest. So Thanks. let's move over to the first question. Um, so just to remind everyone, the topic is scaling teams. Um, so the first question is, Building a roadmap for an engineering team, where do you start? Yeah. I mean, my advice is always to start with the business and the, the product strategy so that you know that you connect things. Uh, and uh, 
starting with that, having some sort of idea where you're going, like a target state that supports your product strategy. Uh, and then essentially from that, you can uh, draw the line from where you are and into where you go, and that's basically the roadmap. Um, looking at where you stand is also really important to look at uh, what works well, your strengths, weaknesses, the pain points so that you can build that if you have any technical debt that you would like to take care of and all of that, but always related to uh, business and business values. You can connect everything you do. That's important, I would say. So that would be my um, advice in that. Brilliant. Um, so the next question we have is from, well, I, I was discussing this with Frederick Lagerchab, CTO of Doconomy. Um, he mentioned scaling teams sometimes quickly decreases out, sometimes too quickly decreases output um, uh, and, and can actually become a detriment overall. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, uh, the output versus outcome needs to be mentioned. It's not just building things fast with good quality, but also building the right things, outcome. But definitely, uh, when you see that you need to do more stuff, um, the right stuff, uh, we always try and start with like, we need more people, we, know, we need more teams. So in that case, uh, start. I would start looking at what you're doing already. Could you improve other things like ways of working? Do you have dependencies or starting with that? Uh, that would be uh, the first way of looking at because just adding more people and more teams and all of that as uh, Frederick mentioned is most likely or it will decrease the amount of stuff that you the value you bring uh, so start with what you have and then when it gets really painful you can add something and add something and add something okay fantastic and more people uh, are not the solution to everything actually yeah uh, and in you know during um, a phase of rapid growth, um, how do you manage? How do you manage that change? In rapid growth, well, it's uh, you need to be have a strategy. I would say of how to grow. How do you uh, scale? How do you add another team? How do you add if there's ten teams or how, so, so that you're consistent with that? Um, in my experience, one of the best ways of growing the teams is to take what you have. Uh, and to keep the culture and the knowledge and the main knowledge of all that, uh, you split it, you overload it a bit, and then you split it into two, and then you can add to those teams. There are downsides with that also, because then you continuously uh, fiddle with your stable teams. But that's, if you grow like that, uh, you keep the culture, the domain knowledge and, and expertise, uh, and you split it. Uh, another way of doing it, which is also fine, is to add completely new teams, of course, but be mindful of how you have a strategy would be how I would do it. And, and what, I, what I would be really interested in hearing or listening to um, are your thoughts on you know, what's happened in the past when you're scaling a team um, and could you give us some examples of tough decisions you've made um, during a rapid growth stage? Yeah, I mean, the toughest decisions I think is always when you need to, I mean, if you decide to uh, cut down on a team or something like that or transform something that is really not in line with what people would like to do uh, even cutting stuff or even branches that's that's always the hardest thing uh, for me to do it's about people and that's it's painful um, so that would be sometimes it's necessary to do so it could be that you pivot or something happens in the in the company and the, the strategy but that's uh, that would be the toughest thing um, 
there are other tough things that you're also doing when you transform and as you scale, you uh, maybe you change roles. Uh, usually it's middle management that takes a hit because you change something and as a as an engineer or as a UX person or you, you work in a team and you're you're fine with that even though things changes. But in the middle management, your role can change and you, you maybe you yeah thrown into other areas uh, and that's um, that's also a tough decision but it needs to be taken and and uh, I always try to be clear with why you're doing things uh, and also what it means as much as possible involve people uh, and get them on board as much as possible okay um, and moving on to developing leaders um, you know, to grow teams so you know, developing leaders can put, sorry, developing new leaders that can then promote the next generation of leaders in a company is what some may say, may say um, is the mark of a true leader. So what is your advice on promoting within um, and the best ways to do this? Yeah, promoting leaders. I mean, the best leaders are, in my experience, the, the one that isn't really set to be a leader. They just naturally come into that position. If you're a person that would like to have a a title or you see this as a career step um, I wouldn't say that that's the best trait for a leader but if you're a natural leader you would eventually get there and when it comes to promoting from uh, internally I need uh, you need to make sure that you're uh, selecting the right people for the job not necessarily the one that has the highest skill set when it comes to whatever it is, engineering, UX, or something like that. But it needs to be a leader, a person who can share, a person who can bring people along the journey and all of that. And, of course, you need to have a background, strong background in, in your domain and your expertise. But what I see is that a lot of companies tend to promote the people who are the experts, and then they get um, managers, leaders, uh, and they're not well-suited. And they, they don't even like it. So it's sometimes we force people into career paths that they're not suited for, they don't want. So... You need to have two uh, different ways of growing inside <coughs> of a company. And if you can, I mean, recruit from within is, is usually the best way of doing it because then you have the knowledge, the culture, and all of that. Uh, but also mixing with some external people coming in to have another perspective is also very good and needed, especially in a growth phase as you grow, because you will. Uh, coming to phases where maybe you haven't seen that before as a company and then you need to have people who've seen it before done a lot of good things and a lot of mistakes before so you can learn from that so a mix would be uh, the best i think okay and, and speaking of leaders uh, i actually have a question from mary gordon director of technology at hemnet so oh really <laughs> yes i know her very well <laughs> um so she's asked me to ask it'd be lovely to hear peter's thoughts on autonomy versus alignment when scaling teams ah yeah autonomy versus alignment um I'm a firm believer that autonomy is one of the key factors of building high and successful teams. I mean, with cross-functional and all of those things. Um, and with autonomy, uh, the challenge is that as you grow and as you scale, what it's the topic of today, uh, it gets harder and harder to keep things together if you have full autonomy. So you need to find a way to have, um, I call it horizontal scaling. So you have autonomy, autonomous teams that can... Uh, decide as much as possible but then you decide also to have some sort of horizontal uh, alignment uh, and it's a balance because 
if you push too much of the horizontal alignment and centralize and all of those things, you can do it in um, well, lots of different things, infrastructure, uh, the DevOps culture, or when it comes to uh, engineering, you have too many uh, things that you have to do things like this. Uh, then you're destroying everything and you're, it has a huge effect, of course, on the teams and autonomy. So finding that balance, it's very hard, but you need to have a way to align teams, even if, or especially when they're autonomous. So not sure it's, a, well, that's how I see things. Uh, if it's the right uh, answer, Mary, uh, well, we will see. <laughs> okay. Um, and you mentioned soft decisions before. What are some of the hardest decisions you've made while scaling a team and why? Yeah, it's, I think, Changing people's roles are, are the most, the hardest. If, uh, I mean, remember one time, and some of your listeners might uh, recollect that when we had so many titles when it came to the engineering, uh, I don't remember exactly the number, but there was senior, junior, and, and all of those things, uh, and it just grew. Uh, and then I, uh, we decided to just, we're all engineers. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, even if you work with, I mean, QA or, or as a software developer, and uh, this was an international company. Uh, and if you do a thing like that, that's a tough decision because it affects people. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that we should all uh, treat ourselves as, uh, well, uh, we're all the same. Uh, but when it comes to titles, uh, that, especially internationally, it, it makes a, a big difference uh, for people. So that was a really tough decision. Uh, well, I stand by it, but it took it took a toll on people. Just just out of interest as well, Peter, in terms of titles um, at, at the top end, you know, C, CEO, CTO, COO, I've noticed um, some companies in Stockholm, like someone could be a CEO or COO for you know six months or interim CTO, and they they change around at the top more fluently than than UK or London based companies. Just interest out of interest, why is that? Why is it more common in Stockholm, for example? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're more adaptive and flexible, Michael. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But I, I have seen that also. That there's a lot. There's a lot of movements. Um, maybe yeah. it's in the industry, um, or maybe you guys need to be more flexible and, and move around. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't quote right. me on that. I hope we don't record it. <laughs> no, it's staying in. It's staying in. Um, so, all right. Well, moving on to um, the next topic. Um, a huge topic actually um, so very hard to encapsulate maybe in a short answer how do you build a hiring process and an onboarding process to fit in with your roadmap which you mentioned at the start when scaling teams yeah I'm lucky to work with an awesome uh, talent acquisition team so that's I mean if you're for fortunate enough to have that internally uh, that's a really good start and then you can work with partners from that um, I mean the hiring uh, you need to involve uh, people who's actually, I mean, if you're hiring engineers, please involve the engineers in that because uh, they will work together. So it's important to have a match. And uh, this hiring process is also important to look at both uh, the skill sets of an engineer or UX or, uh, or whatever uh, role you have, but also the cultural fit. Uh, I think that's sometimes something we, I mean, we get so, I mean, you look at the technical stuff and you do all of the things right, but then it maybe doesn't fit with the company culture or the way you work, if you work with pair programming or whatever it is. So uh, those two, I would say, are equal. You need to have both. Um, 
in your uh, process. And you also mentioned onboarding, and that's also, uh, I'm very proud to say that, uh, uh, that we have a really good onboarding process where it's consistent for all. We have a, a board uh, of um, activities, events, people to meet and all of that. So it's no matter uh, who starts at us can follow this process together with the uh, hiring manager. And then you get a really good interruption. We can be better. We can all be. But this is uh, this is one way of doing it. Uh, not leave it for chance. Uh, have, have a good process for that. Was there any f more in this uh, question, Michael? Yeah. All, all I want to ask following up really is what's gone right and what's gone wrong, um, either in this or you know some of the other decisions you've made in the past. Oh, regarding uh, hiring. Yeah, hiring or you know when scaling the team in general. All right, yeah. Hiring, I have lots of good, uh, fortunate to be mostly good examples, but of course you also make uh, uh, mistakes. But when it comes to scaling, um, oh, I've done so many hopefully good things, but also uh, mistakes or learnings, as I see it. I mean, uh, you do uh, as best as you can from the information you have. But one of the learnings that I've done over the years is that sometimes I and we tend to be too fast. Uh, it's so important to, to look at if you scale, why do you need to scale? As I said in the beginning, maybe you can start with what you have. You can optimize that to start with, not just adding more people and more teams. Uh, and uh, the feedback I've received, and I also thought about it uh, afterwards, is sometimes you move too fast. Uh, for you, it's clear that you need to scale in order to capture this new business uh, opportunity or whatever it is. But if you don't get the people behind you uh, understanding and, and, and jumping on this journey, uh, it's really hard. So I've learned that spending a bit more time on, on the whys, why are we doing this? And then how are we doing it? It makes a lot of difference. And, and one of the learnings or uh, well, mistakes is sometimes too fast. Uh, is there any point to go back in time and think we should have done it this way? Or could you even give an example or two? Well, that's not really how I think about things, uh, Michael. But when I go back in time, it's to learn. And of course, I could do hundreds of, of different things. But um, I think the, the speed is one of the things that uh, I wish I would have done things a bit slower, actually, yeah. uh, in order to get people on board. Because then when you get people on board, it's actually much faster because then you don't have the resistance. So that's one of the things. Uh, but also, I mean, another thing when I when I thought about uh, I mean, what to improve is sometimes uh, it's been too slow. You really think that, ah, I believe in this. And then you wait and wait and wait and wait. And when you actually should have made uh, a, a bigger transformation earlier on. So it's... Um, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, but it's uh, really good learning. Yeah, a good, a good thing as though for, for a listener, you know, an engineering leader, it's good to hear, you know, your thoughts on this, so they maybe can take that into their process going forward. Um, so yeah, you, you've grown and managed some huge teams of remote engineers around the world um, in different time zones. For you, what makes a successful remote team, especially in a rapidly scaling environment? Yeah. I mean, as you scale and grow and you add uh, uh, different locations uh, and even, as you mentioned, time zones, it, it becomes more and more challenging. So what I've tried to do or what I've learned is to, uh, to if you can have uh, I mean, remote teams uh, co-located, at least you have people in the same locations, it helps a lot. Um, I believe a lot in people uh, meeting from time to time. So if you can do that locally and then maybe if you're a large organization, you can meet once in a while, maybe monthly or quarterly. 
uh, all together. So having remote team distributed uh, but co-located, that's, that's awesome. Uh, time zones, it's a challenge. So if you can also look at the time zone, so when, well, depending on what teams and, and uh, both product development teams and the business, if you can align that, it's not uh, always easy. Uh, but if you can do that, that's awesome. Um, but one of my companies also had it, we were spread across all of the world. It's also uh, a really good thing it, that you have always somebody who's uh, awake. So it's a fall of the sun. So if you have operations and stuff, so it could also be used in uh, a great advantage uh, as a company yeah. if you have people all across. Yeah, I remember my previous company, the, the two owners, Gavin Nick, were really proud that they had offices in Australia, etc., because they're always open 24 hours a day. So something they they're yeah. really proud of. I think it depends on on your market also. If you're if you're worldwide, it's really good to have teams uh, all across. Uh, uh, I would say though, I mean, at at Hemnet, uh, we we have our, our all of our teams uh, based in Stockholm at the moment, and that's really, I mean, it's it's a blessing to to meet with the people and especially when you do things like discovery, innovation and, and, and build a culture. It's hard to build a culture when you're distributed. It can be done, but it needs to be uh, mindfully thought out. Brilliant. Uh, and obviously, for every remote team, your team at Hemnet is, is well and truly you know, local, locally based. Um, just going back to the hiring process, um, I know you mentioned slowing things down before, but in terms of um, hiring, how could you speed up the process without sacrificing any results? You mean the hiring process? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, it, you need to be fast, uh, of course. You know that uh, more than anyone. That I mean, there's so many things uh, uh, moving out there. So, so speeding it up by having a clear process so you know the stages and always uh, try to prepare for that so you're not kind of thrown off with what's happening. So what's the next thing? Always have that. Um, have some sort of plan, a board, a system uh, in how to I mean, both get the candidates and candidates feedback and how you communicate. We have an excellent platform now where we use a common platform to communicate. So no matter who's involved in the process, we can see the history and all of that. It helps a lot with speed. So uh, keeping it together, uh, having a clear, consistent process uh, and try to make it I mean, you shouldn't force it, obviously, but as, as fast as possible, because, you know, when you, you're in those endless processes yourself, you're like, well, if this is how I'm treated before I'm hired, what would happen yeah. when I jump on board? So I think uh, it, it's really important to do that. And, and lastly, having that talent acquisition team really knowing what you, your domain and all the tech and all of those things uh, helps a lot, of course, so that the first introduction uh, is really beneficial for for the candidates also. Yeah, I think I think with candidates as well, um, if they know what's expected of them from the start, mm. you know, and and that's and that's stuck to. I don't think they mind even if it's a long process. I think you know if it's in drips and drops, oh, I've got to do another tech test now. I've got to do another meeting. I think that's when they start thinking, what's going on here? What's you know what is going on with this company? Mm. Um, but like yeah. I said, keep keep to the plan. Then, or maybe know. another advice, mm. if you have a Cantona t-shirt, you know, behind your back, <laughs> maybe you get this, okay. You can edit it if you would like, or... No, no, no. no. Cantona. <laughs> All right, so last question. Um, actually, I might have another one for you, actually. Um, so, but this is very on topic um, and something that, you know, everyone's talking about at the moment. So new AI tools such as ChatGPT, 
Um, what are your opinions on this new area of technology? And how do you think they can assist in, in scaling teams and organizations? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know would be my answer, but I'm, uh, I mean, as the more I experience around chat GPT and trying out and everything, it's, uh, well, it's amazing. There's a lot of, uh, I'm amazed by the opportunities and I've just scratched the surface. So uh, if this is like, if it's the uh, fourth version, imagine in a couple of years what would happen. So I think that it will transform uh, not only engineering, but all of society in a, in a, in a big way. And uh, my guess would be that it would be starting as a, an assistant, uh, of course. I think that engineers and uh, developers would more and more use AI to assist them in their coding. Maybe maybe you can even generate some code that you then quality uh, assure uh, or something like that. I don't know, but it looks very promising. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that it will replace all of the developers. I mean, some people think that it will, AI will replace everything. Uh, there are things uh, that are hard. I mean, the domain knowledge and all of the interactions, the innovation and all of that, there's definitely room for, for us humans. But um, I think we can work together. Yeah, I think it's, like you said, if this is the fourth version uh, and it's improved so much in just a couple of months, what's, what's the next version going to be? It's, apparently it could be you know, 100 times better, the way it yeah. keeps, keeps moving. So it's... Moves fast. I, as David Bowie would say, it's exciting and absolutely petrifying at the same time. So uh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Dylan would uh, say the only constant thing is change, uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something like All that. All right. Well, um, have you got anything else you'd want to add or any final comments? No, I think I made enough jokes about your team, <laughs> so so I'm I'm fine with that. Oh, thank you very much for for having me, Michael. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, fantastic to have you on. Um, you know, really insightful first podcast. Hope hope everyone listening, you know, can take something from it. Um, and if, if you know if you are listening, if you're an engineering leader that wants to come on the next podcast, please do reach out on LinkedIn um, or give us a quick email at Michael at scandyscript.com and hopefully we can get you on. Cheers everyone, speak soon. Bye bye.